0: Good morning, this is Dana from DAS Financially Consulting Services. Thank you for joining in today's podcast. Uh, today I was thinking we could go over a few updates that I have received in um, from a couple of resources that I utilize regarding um, some subjects that are being talked about in Washington um, for financing. Um, you know financial aid and how tax one of the articles that I was reading said taxpayers fund college degrees that don't pay off this is one article that I found and it basically was saying that um, and this is from actually the source I will give that to you it's from forbes.com so this was posted on forbes.com on January 21st 2020 and it is an article regarding last year. Um, and of course, all of the while well, I'm trying to read this online, everything's going crazy. Um, late last year, the Education Department publicly released the typical student debt and starting salary for graduates of thousands of higher education programs nationwide, a new interactive tool from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, known as TPPF, puts this data into innovative use, showing where the typical student's debt burden is high relative to her earnings. It's a useful tool for students, but it is also it also exposes the hypocrisy and limitations of past federal government approaches to accountability for the colleges and universities that soak up billions in taxpayer dollars every year so it goes on um, a little bit more um in depth regarding um that subject and i wanted to touch a little bit on this because of the fact that for the four-year colleges and universities um they weren't subject to um, what was called full appointment that got implemented against technical and career schools uh several years back basically it was called full employment and what had to happen was is the um the overview was each of the technical and career schools had to pull in information or provide information from several graduating classes and then they had to go into their placement areas and state how um how many of them that graduated were placed successfully And basically, it was matching how much was being paid to get your education versus how much you were going to earn upon graduation and placement, which ended up being skewed. So they were holding them, the career and technical schools, accountable for this. And as it was progressing through, because it was supposed to go over several years, and then it ended up getting voted. that the regulation was not, um, it was basically limiting um, career, just to career and technical schools and it should have been expanded. So what they decided to do was, is that they were gonna just eliminate it. Um, So I believe, um, if I'm correct, I believe that um, policy or regulation was determined that that was gonna kind of be put on hold as of last year. i can give you a personal example that back when i decided to um, further my education i ended up um going to a two-year college um, and to entered into originally it was accounting um i didn't do so well with the first um couple of well the first semester i should say i didn't do well at all in accounting um i believe i said this in a couple of podcasts ago um, what was happening was, is that I was working during the day as at a bank. I was actually a teller, and everything I was doing during the day was opposite of what I was doing at night in accounting. So when I handed in my spreadsheets, I thought the spreadsheets were fine, and then I'd end up getting them all marked up, and my teacher would talk to me, and I just was so confused. Um, so having, <laughs> being that confused, and I didn't want to, like, stay in confusion and I didn't want to feel like I was a fish out of water I uh, kind of looked into paralegal studies and ended up transferring from the accounting program into paralegal studies which ended up being a better fit but while I was going to school I was still working full-time so technically the two years it didn't take me two years it took me more like four years to finish my my degree my certificate degree and during that time I realized that the amount of money I was spending was in what they were telling me I was gonna earn when I did get a job It didn't didn't compute the high paying jobs for my area were down in the city of Boston and um, for most of us that live on the I-95 corridor especially here in New England and also those of you in the mid-atlantic let's put it out there it's just a real in atlanta we're going to put atlanta in there too it is commuting is ridiculous and so i did not want to have to end up having to commute and i what knew i wasn't going to relocate so i did end up getting a couple of jobs up here but they nowhere paid near the amount that what my place my career office and placement area of the college I was attending told me. They were telling me I could, uh, upon entry, I was gonna earn like $50,000. That never happened. It it never happened. And part of what they were also including, and you also need to make sure that you're understanding this. When you're hired by somebody um, and they tell you whether it's hourly or salary, you also have to remember what the benefits package is, is that they're providing to you, because that is included in what your salary is Um, that was a lesson and nobody told me that nobody taught it and I had to learn it on my own and um, that was a a useful tool that I could have utilized way back in my early start date of my career for negotiating Um, that was something else that was never taught in school was how to negotiate a salary Um, and as we all know um, I I'm just going to put it out there that um, as a woman trying to get into a career field versus a man, you're already, just because you're a woman, you are not going to be paid the amount that the man is going to get paid. And I truly believe that that is because of the fact that women are the individuals, even though we're fully capable of doing the same job as the men, they just take it into account that um, we've got a lot more things that we're bringing in to the position namely families i mean who's who's the primary caregiver right so usually the primary caregiver in the household is typically the woman i know things are changing and maybe there's a lot of dads out there that are now stay-at-home dads and i totally get that but i'm just talking about the era that i grew up in that's how it was um and that's how it was thought and now things are changing which is great and i hope they continue to change so that we're on an equal platform but not to get off the subject i just am putting out there though that um there again we've gone over that taxpayer money is what funds education grants and education loans as well as some scholarships so um when you're you're talking about spending upwards of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a four-year school and you're coming out with just a bachelor's degree and that bachelor's degree may be in communications and you have no idea where you're going to go with that communications like you're just trying to get a job you're trying to intern and as an intern you're not making money they're 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 going to be utilizing you to see what you have to and that's part of the um filtering out of the candidates that are applying for those jobs. So, and I have no idea um, nowadays, um, like I said, $50,000 was the target that they told me I was gonna make and that was back in 1996. And I'm gonna tell you again that that has never happened in my career. When I was a paralegal, it never happened. And uh, in my new job or the other job that i had um what was marked to me to be salary uh never happened uh i was told that i was going to get retirement benefits the retirement package never happened um so again when you're shopping for schools and it's going to be your responsibility to pay the debt that you're incurring you need to make sure that the school that you're shopping for, you're going to get what you're going in, what you're purchasing. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like purchasing a car. You want to spend 25000 30000 and I know it's upwards now, on a vehicle with all the bells and whistles. You want to make sure that all the money that you're spending on that vehicle, that vehicle is going to run and all the bells and whistles are going to work. So um, just, it, again, As we've discussed in several other podcasts, um, just be careful when you're shopping. And now that um, there's a lot of schools out there that do have what they call shop sheets, and they're going to tell you exactly how much you're going to be spending on your education. However, what I'm trying to say is is that they also are going to tell you that you're going to be making X amount of dollars, projected-wise, when you get out of school with your degree and that's where you need to be savvy and make sure that they're not telling you that you're gonna make this amount and then you find out in reality that it's not that amount of money. So you need to add that to your little um, search mission, if you will, uh, regarding uh, when when you're trying to pick a school. Um, The other thing that I've talked about too um, briefly, when we're, we're going into um, our different episodes, the podcast that I have indicated, that it is a good idea if you can have a side job, that um, you do have a job while you're in school. And I know that some people are just like, oh, no, that's, that can't happen because I've got this, that, and the other thing. Well, to be honest with you, that helps you manage your time. It helps manage your time and it also gives you an idea of what it's like to be out there in the working world so that you know not thinking it's all flowers and 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 you know it's not roses and then you find out that you know it's not what you thought it was going to be and uh, a lot of times that's what happens when you go to school you go in and you get your degree and then you graduate And you find a job and uh, finding the job usually is the toughest part and then when you do find your job um, it just again isn't exactly what you thought it was gonna be so um, just again just make sure that you're doing your due diligence to yourselves uh, with regards to um, shopping for schools and uh, what you're gonna get for your money Uh, the other article I wanted to point out that I um, also came across this week was posted in the Washington Post and uh, it was basically the title of the article is political vendettas against career schools hamper access to necessary programs now career schools during the time that I have been a financial aid advisor, that that has been my primary focus. And that's just because the company that I work for um, is a um, third-party servicer for career and technical schools across the country. The majority of the schools that are serviced are um, in professions for, for professions, I should say, um, such as automotive. Um, there are some that are a lot of HVAC. Uh, we've got cosmetologists, uh, there are massage therapists, um, and uh, electricians, uh, medical assistants, lab assistants. So those kind of career paths are the, are the ones that the schools that I've uh, seen um, as my uh, regular job. Um, But having said that, a lot of times, the focus isn't on career schools. And to be honest with you, career schools are where it's at right now. Um, Career schools teach you a trade, whereas some four-year colleges aren't necessarily teaching you a trade. They're just, you're, again, I'm going to use the example of communication degree or English literature, Um, you know, those aren't exactly teaching you actual skills. for. For, for an individual that um, you know, are, you're paying say $50,000 to learn how to cut and color hair. Well, that cutting and color hair and then $50,000 that you're spending to learn how to do that and getting the certificate and then down the road, you're gonna have training. You can literally go and put a shingle out and open up your own shop and be your own hairstylist and your own entrepreneur. If you're majoring in communications, or you're in an English Lit, where are you going to put shingle? Um, and, you know, you're looking to go for a company. Now, having said that, technology these days, you know, as far as communications go, you can do what I'm doing right now. You can, you know, put out your own podcast on a topic, and who knows, it'll end up taking off and you'll be all set. But I'm just trying to get at the fact that, you know, career schools – um, should have never gotten a bad rap. And I know, again, going back to when I was growing up, um, career schools weren't promoted. It And it was kind of like, um, so it was the four-year colleges. And if you didn't get into the four-year college or, you know, it's your senior year of high school and everybody's telling you where they're going to go, those that did get to get, get into college. Um, and if you didn't get into college, which was me, I'm just putting it out there, it was me. Um, I applied to three schools um, two, one of which I did get in uh, get accepted but my parents could I couldn't afford it my parents couldn't afford it um, and uh, so I didn't end up going to college right off um, but you kind of I was kind of feeling left out because you know after you graduate and you get out of your high school and now you're in this in the big world you know it's like well what are you gonna do now? And um, at 18, 19 years of age, um, trying to figure all that out is uh, is a pretty heavy burden if you don't receive the guidance. So um, hopefully this will open up some uh, avenues for everybody to be able to um, you know, ask some questions of their financial aid advisors or career services to give them um, a little bit more insight or give them a little bit more Of direction um, or suggestions of what you can look into Um, but as far as uh, career and trade schools um, if you are looking into them I do suggest that um, you do go for it and and again do your uh, if if you want to be an electrician go be an electrician because again you're going to get the education and you're also going to have the skill and then you can go and either work for a company a group of electricians you can become a master electrician there's all kinds of uh doors that'll open up for you there um same with the beauty industry um if you want you know you're really into cosmetics or uh you know you you like you know doing all kind watching youtube videos on how to do the latest trends in makeup or um, You know, hairstyles, um, go for it, and uh, there should be nothing that should hold you back. However, I do know from experience with reviewing files that there are a few parents out there um, that they have it in their mindset that their child is going to go to college, and if they're going to go to college, um, they're going to be going to school to be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse, and they refuse to fill out the application if the student expresses that they are gonna go um, into a different line of work or study. And um, that's what we call a parental refusal. And uh, if you are running into that type of situation, you are a student, you're running into that type of situation, um, the school that you're choosing to go to can help you out with uh, processing your application Um, as a parental refusal what that means is is that um, if you are still residing under your parents roof in their home um, and they're refusing to help you um, complete the FAFSA you can um, ask them to provide you with um, an original statement so an original statement has to come from each one of your parents okay each one of your biological parents I should say so if you um the parent will have to state that they are no longer providing um well actually you can't be living in um, their household i'm sorry let's back up so you're no longer residing in their household and then what the statements would have to say is is that when they stop providing um support for you as their student um, it has to provide the month and the year that the support ended um And that includes room and board. That's why I had to back up there because I was thinking it through um, as I was talking and I got mistracked. So again, you're not living with your parents. They're no longer providing you support. On the first part of the statement, they indicate that they are no longer providing support, including room and board, and the date that the support stopped. Month and year is all that's needed. Um, They have to also say in the second part of the statement, second sentence, that they are not going to be providing you financial support in the future, including room and board. And third is that they are refusing to complete that particular award year's FAFSA. So for 2019-2020, they would say, I am not going to provide information to um, complete the 2019-2020 FAFSA. You will need the same statement if you're continuing on for the 2020-2021 FAFSA, so just keep that in mind. Once you have those statements in hand, you can give them to the financial aid advisor. They'll add it to your file, and then when they process your file, this is the caveat. You will be processed with not a dependency status, but that means that you will not be Pell eligible which you will lose out on $6,195 for the 2019, 2020 year. And you will not be loan eligible, but you can get all of the loans that you're eligible to receive, the 5,500 as a dependent student in an unsub loan. So just keep that in mind that that is a, diff- is a way, kind of a workaround If you have some parents that aren't on board with you, becoming a cosmetologist or a barber or whatever field you wanna go into that they're not too keen on. Um, The other tip I have um, for students is, um, for those of you that are juggling um, maybe a full-time job and also trying to go to school and you have a family Um, don't get disheartened um, and there are many many uh, resources for you Um, again I direct you back to your financial aid advisor of your school Um, just contact them and um, they can help you with different resources um, including uh, those situations where you have um, couples that um, maybe have recently separated and uh, you need you want to apply to school and you need to break out your income from the joint tax return so for 2019 2020 that would have been a 2017 tax return and for the 2020 2021 award year that would be breaking out income from the 2018 joint tax return if you filed your own tax return um, meaning married filing separately you wouldn't have to worry about breaking out the income because you just would bring in um, your tax information and um, the FAFSA could be completed with just your tax information on there. Um, So just keep in mind that um, if you're going through those type of situations or, again, you're looking to um, even change your careers, if you're in a career now and you're looking and and you always wanted to do something else, don't be afraid to go and look um at a new career it's just again just do your due diligence in shopping and making sure that the amount of money that you're going to be paying for your education is not going to be over and above what you could be making when you get out and placed with your degree and having said that our time is drawing near Uh, so i want to again thank you all for joining today's podcast um this will be posted and um, we also have opened up um, patron share uh, patron uh, sharing on um, our podcast. Um, so if you'd like to become a patron for as little as one dollar a month, uh, you can also help us keep our podcast going um, and that will help us develop content um, and we are also, looking and venturing in, I should say, um, to audio and uh, video trainings. So that will help us increase our viewership. So take a look at what we have to offer and uh, become a patron. And uh, there are some pretty nifty rewards as well. So take care, and we'll talk again soon.